0: As featured in the November 2023 issue of Men's Health Magazine, To Catch a Con Man is the very intimate and detailed true story of exposing one of the most prolific and successful serial con men to operate in the Midwest. A career con man who was able to get away with scamming and stealing in and around the suburbs of Chicago for more than 40 years. What's even more interesting is that he had never been arrested in Illinois for running his scams, some that date as far back as the 1980s. If there is a living devil and evil on this earth, it is him. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois
1: could a hundred grand sustain my life it couldn't even come close so so listen to me if i was going to be in some sort of of con scam conniving thing it'd be for millions it wouldn't be for a hundred thousand dollars
0: listener discretion is advised as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners Thank you all for taking the time to listen to our true crime podcast, To Catch a Con Man. In part one of this last episode, there was a delay from the time Adam testified to when the trial resumed in February of 2023. Now the prosecutors and defense will offer their closing arguments and a verdict will be rendered. A surprise decision by Judge Christopher Lombardo leaves everyone speechless. This is part two of A Menace to Everyone You Meet. Join me on this adventure to catch a con
1: man. This is Adam Albin. the end of the day, I had been on the stand for over six hours in total, providing every single detail about what Dugo did to me and put me through. I couldn't mention anyone else's alleged crimes about Dugo, as that is considered hearsay. As the judge thanked me and excused me from the witness box, both sides reviewed their calendars and set up the next day for this trial. They set a date of December 30th, 2022. But that didn't happen. The prosecuting attorneys came down with an illness the day before, and so Judge Lombardo issued a continuance and set the next available date of February 2nd, 2023. I had some major concerns with the delay. As my testimony took place on December 12th, 2022, this would be almost 50 days after the judge heard my details. Would he remember anything of what I said? It was like 50 days of hell, knowing I had put my heart and soul into taking Dugo down, and I was able to face him and say my peace. Again, I start to question if I had done enough. Was I good enough on that day? Since I was part of the witness list. I was not able to attend opening arguments or any other part of the trial. I wasn't allowed to listen to the additional act's testimony and or Detective Tony thesis testimony. I wasn't allowed to talk to any of the additional act victims or give them any sort of advice at all. I had to sit on the sidelines and wait this out. I would be allowed to come back to court to listen to the closing arguments. The trial restarted on February 2nd of 2023, and I knew with having four witnesses who were going to testify, this would most likely spill over into the next day. Kevin mentioned that if it went past Thursday, February 2nd, the trial would wrap up on Friday, February 3rd. The judge was adamant about wrapping this case up. As expected, the state and defense made it through three of the witnesses on Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. So the last victim should be on the stand at around 9 o'clock a.m. on Friday, February 3rd. I told the victim's advocate I would be there for closing arguments. I figured I would get there around 10 a.m. and wait in the lobby. I mean, these things always go longer than you think. Well, that last witness must not have taken very long, because as I'm walking to courtroom T712, my phone rings and the voice on the other end says, Hey, Adam, it's Melissa Burke. Are you here? She is walking out of the doors of the courtroom as I am walking in, and she's like, phew, you made it. Closing arguments are about to start. She goes on to tell me that the defense made an objection to me being in the courtroom to hear those arguments, but Kevin Barrow fought for me, and I would be allowed to listen in. I enter the courtroom. Now, what is different is that CBS2 Chicago wasn't here today, nor was their photographer. They had prior obligations, and Dorothy Tucker couldn't make the trip up. It is literally Ricky Dugo and his two attorneys on one side, and then Kevin Beryl and the young Russell Kasky on the other side. Then there's the judge, the victim's advocate, two Lake County sheriffs and me. Dugo has no family present. He had no friends present. And the prosecution starts first. And attorney Kevin Barrow, who had been very even-keeled this entire trial, digs down deep inside of himself and unleashes a barrage of facts and truths surrounding Ricky Dugo's patterns and history of long cons, where he has reused and recycled the Apt Electronics Con over and over for more than many years. It's a side of Kevin I've been dying to see. He was a complete beast of a prosecutor giving facts and truths and lighting up Ricky Dugo, who didn't bat an eye, to anything Kevin said. He passed it off to Russell Casky, who goes over the state's obligations to prove theft, and then he gives the definition of theft by deception, obtaining control over my property, using nothing more than lies and deceit to perpetuate his scams. He went back through Each of the additional acts witnesses' testimonies, providing the details of how Dugo did this identical scam over and over to gain control over their money using the means of deception as Dugo did not have a single connection to Apt Electronics. This could never be a business deal that went bad as a business deal that went bad would be bad for both Ricky Dugo and each and every victim. The prosecution fucking crushed it. I was tearing up in the courtroom as I was so proud of the hard work and commitment and sacrifices they put into this case to try to gain some form of justice for not just me, but for every single Ricky Dugo victim that was out there. The defense started their closing argument, and it is solely based on one main theme, that Ricky Dugo offered a business investment opportunity that unfortunately didn't transpire. Large in part because I had created a spoof profile Facebook page, and that scared off Rick's contacts, who left Ricky Dugo high and dry. Ricky Dugo was also a victim in all of this, as his money was taken as well. But he followed it up with, it isn't a crime if a business deal went sideways. It was just a bad business deal. And if I would have gone about this in a different way, I most likely would have received my money back in time. It was so weird to be in the courtroom hearing two sets of attorneys talk about you like you aren't even there. That being said, it was really something special to be a part of, good, bad, or indifferent. The hard part of this trial was over. Now, as soon as closing arguments are over, I figured the Honorable Judge Christopher Lombardo would pause and take a few days or a week and set up a new court date for his verdict. But that didn't happen. as both the state and the defense rest their cases, and in no more than two minutes after closing arguments were heard and recorded. Judge Christopher Lombardo does something that I still to this day cannot believe he did. He goes directly into his verdict. He says... In regards to the first charge of theft for what was a Class two felony charge, he looks directly at me and says, from what he had heard in my testimony, I willingly gave Ricky Dugo the money and that he didn't actually steal the money from my pocket. I believe he goes on to say, I should have known better, and some of this I am paraphrasing from memory. So in regards to count one of theft by control... Over the amount of $10,000, but less than $100,000, the Honorable Judge Christopher Lombardo states, I find him not guilty. Now, my heart just sank into my stomach, and I could very well throw up all over this courtroom. I looked away from Judge Lombardo in that moment. He doesn't skip a beat, and he looks over at Ricky Dugo and says, However, in regards to the second count of theft by deception, I absolutely find Mr. Dugo to be guilty of committing that crime against Mr. Albin. Mr. Dugo knowingly took control of Mr. Albin's money, under the false pretense that he had a connection on a deal that was shrouded in a deep level of deception. As soon as he said, however, my heart popped back into my chest. I knew we only needed to get a guilty plea on one of these charges, as the charges would have run in parallel and or concurrently, meaning, Even if he was found guilty of both charges, the sentence would run next to each other versus consecutively one on top of the other. Now, this is the single most amazing thing about the entire trial and this epic win for Lake County. Mr. Dugo had never been charged with a felony in Illinois. In fact, he had no record here outside of a few speeding tickets. Judge Lombardo instantly says that his bond is revoked and he will be remanded to the Lake County Jail immediately. Now, Ricky Dugo's attorneys object and say, Your Honor, Mr. Dugo is a father and the primary caregiver to his three children. He has shown up to every part of this court case and all of the case management conferences. Would you please take that into consideration and allow him to be released on his continued bond until the PSA is completed and you have set a sentencing date? Judge Christopher Lombardo acknowledges the defense attorney's ask and states he has made his decision and that Mr. Dugo is a threat to society and will need to be remanded into custody. Now, this is so fucking surreal. At some point during the closing arguments, I never noticed that the presence of Lake County sheriffs had multiplied. Now there were three of them in the courtroom. Dugo's attorneys are telling Rick he needs to empty everything out of his pockets, remove his belt, his tie, and his shoelaces. They hand him a plastic bag for him to place all of his personal items into, and that is given to his attorney. I am watching this happen in front of me. Dugo, the guy that has always gotten away with it, Dugo, the guy that was always going to beat these charges. Dugo, the guy that told Dorothy Tucker it was all a lie, and that's why he has attorneys. Dugo, the guy that swore he was never going to jail in his life, is literally being handcuffed in front of me. There are three Lake County sheriffs there to help him get up. He is visibly shaking. He is in complete and total shock. What the fuck just happened? Now, I just stare at Ricky Dugo, and I can feel this tidal wave of emotion about to fucking crash through my body, and I am trying so hard to hold back my tears of joy. It's like when you're holding back your tears from falling out of your eyeballs, so you make your eyeballs as large as you can so the water can try to go somewhere else. I wouldn't cry in front of Ricky Dugo, so... I held it back as best I could, as I didn't want him to see me as anything other than strong and stoic. As I watched Ricky Dugo get escorted out of the hidden stairwell that is inside of each of these criminal courtrooms, I took mental pictures of him looking beaten down and broken. I took great pride in knowing I was the one that provided that everlasting image. It took a minute to kick in, but by Judge Christopher Lombardo remanding him into custody right then and there, the verdict could only be taken one way for Ricky Dugo he was most likely going to prison and would know his fate in about four to six weeks. I could only wonder if my partnership with Dorothy Tucker and the CBS2 Chicago News team had made a subtle difference. I would guess that any judge would be wondering why a white-collar case would garner any such media exposure. I can only hope that part of my plan helped to open everyone's eyes to the forever cons in Ricky Dugo. As soon as he vanished from sight, I stood up and walked outside of this courtroom. I felt the first of many tears stream down my face, much like they still do to this day when I retell that part of the story i wanted to call my wife and my mom and just announce to the world what i had just witnessed but that would have to wait a few more minutes as the real heroes in this story the incredible team of assistant district attorney kevin barrel and the young russell caskey and victims advocate melissa burke exit the courtroom and head my way they are smiling and we shake hands And I get a hug from Melissa Burke, whom can tell that I am about to break down. It was this amazing feeling to let out all of those tears, as they were almost five years in the making. I had been harboring the sadness, as I had heard hundreds of times before in the victim's voices. I had put on this facade of being a strong, machismo kind of guy, as I wanted them to believe in me. I wanted them to believe in the plan. I am pretty sure the tears started there, and they didn't stop until well after I arrived home that day. I thanked the team and told them how incredibly proud I was to be part of it, how proud I was of them for obtaining the goal of a guilty conviction, reminding them over and over how that had never happened here in Illinois. We rode the elevator down together and then walked over the pedestrian bridge that links the criminal court tower to the Lake County State's Attorney's office. I left them there and took another elevator down and walked the long hallway to get out to the parking garage i got into my car and i called my wife and fought through the tears to tell her everything that had just happened i said i love you and thank you for supporting me through this entire process i sent george Red a message letting him know and to tell him i couldn't talk for some time but he will want to hear the play-by-play When we talk. After I hung up with my wife, I called my ma and I bawled my eyes out to her, telling her how it was finally over and we had gotten a guilty verdict. It was a short call, as I need to disconnect from everything for just a few minutes and enjoy the drive home. I was replaying the moment back in my head and I had an epiphany. I was the only civilian in that courtroom that heard any of this and watched it all go down. And Dugo had no one there in his corner, and for good reason, as he had burned anyone and everyone that had come into his life. The solitude he felt on that day had to sink in. And I knew with 100% certainty that in that moment, he was scared as the entire house of cards he had built over decades of lies and deceit had come crashing down around him. I took great pleasure in seeing that. I still do. I always imagined that on Ricky Dugo's Judgment Day, I would be surrounded by hundreds of victims and their family members, all standing in line to read victims' impact statements and to join in on bashing Dugo like a piñata. But that never happened. I have a theory about this as well. For almost every one of his long con victims, whether they are over their losses or not, There is one thing that most would agree on. They simply never want to see his fucking face ever again. February 3rd, 2023 was one of the single best days of my life. I was now on the other side of this whole fucking mess, and I was going to relish in the moment and take a victory lap of sorts. By that evening, I had contacted everyone I had talked to along the way and gloated about him being in the Lake County Jail until his sentencing day was set. And as a little feather in our caps, this time, Lake County issued a press release about his conviction. That night, CBS2Chicago ran a short story on it, and I gave a short Zoom interview and added details. His sentencing date was set for the week of March 17th. But as that date got closer, attorney Kevin Barrow reached out to me to let me know Dugo was now changing his tune. And instead of going through with the three additional trials, he was finally ready to renegotiate a plea for the rest of those charges. Kevin asked me for my buy-in, saying I wouldn't have much say in it, but he did want to know what I thought was fair and just. In my mind, he still had three court cases left to go, and there were three Class 1 felonies still on the line, which carried a 4 to 15-year sentence on each of those Class 1 felony charges. Something to note in Illinois is that for most nonviolent crimes— Whatever the prison sentence is, you can divide that in half for time really served. So, for a four-year prison sentence, that means the convict would serve two years and potentially get additional credits for time served and good behavior. I said, I wasn't comfortable with anything less than 10 years. I think Kevin appreciated my wild idea. But he was also a realist, so as that March 17th date came closer, he said it would most likely get postponed while they finished this negotiation. I really didn't care, as the longer it took, the more time Ricky Dugo had to spend in the Lake County Jail, which, from what I've heard, wasn't a great place to spend your days and nights. I got a call on Thursday, March 23rd, 2023 that a last-minute deal was reached and Dugo would be pleading out tomorrow morning during the 9 a.m. session and I was more than welcome to come and watch it unfold. The deal? He would be pleading guilty to a Class 1 felony charge on Lou's case for theft by deception over $100,000, but less than $500,000. He would take eight years in prison and be ordered to pay $145,000 in restitution to be split amongst the four victims with charges. Eight years in prison would mean he would be serving just four years. I looked at my calendar, and there was no way I was going to miss this. I asked my wife if she would like to go with me, and she said, of course. She didn't want to miss this opportunity either. So we went to the Waukegan Courthouse on Friday, March 24th, and we waited almost two hours for Ricky Dugo to appear. The delay was due to the court being open for case management that morning and with CBS2 Chicago in the courtroom this day taking pictures. The Honorable Judge Christopher Lombardo wanted to make sure the only civilians left in his courtroom when Dugo's name was called would be those that didn't mind if pictures were taken. At around 10.55 a.m., with the courtroom finally cleared out, the hidden door opens and out walks a nearly unrecognizable version of Ricky Dugo. His hands are cuffed in the front. He is wearing shackles on his ankles, shuffling along to the center podium where he stands before Judge Christopher Lombardo. Gone is his jet-black dyed hair, Now he dons, a short jail-style, not-so-fresh cut, and his hair is gray and white. He has lost about 30 pounds, and he looks tired and completely busted up. I have never seen such a swift change in someone's appearance. The dude looked like he had aged 20 years in six weeks. At the podium, the judge asked him if anyone made any promises in regards to this plea deal and did he want to move forward with it on his own accord. He asked Dugo if he had any questions and did he understand that by pleading guilty to this class one felony, the other charges in this case and cases would be dropped. He was giving up his ability to appeal the conviction. He would have to write a letter to the court within 30 days if he wanted to change his mind. And even then, the Honorable Judge Christopher Lombardo said in the end, he would be making the determination on if he should be allowed to change Dugo's mind. The trial conviction was running in parallel to this plea deal. So Judge Lombardo sentenced him to four years in prison for my case that had gone to trial. If he came back and changed his mind about the plea deal, Judge Lombardo would be forced to change his mind on what he sentenced in my case, and it would be significantly higher if he chose to change his mind. Ricky Dugo answered all of Judge Lombardo's questions politely. Yes, Your Honor. I understand, Your Honor. It was at this moment, the Honorable Judge Christopher Lombardo looks directly at Ricky Dugo and says this. You are a menace to everyone you meet. He went on to say that no one that came into Ricky Dugo's world was ever safe from his devious deeds, and that anyone who crossed paths with Rick was left with some form of trauma and pain. He was then asked to sit down in order for him to sign the voluntary plea deal he asked to borrow his attorney's reading glasses as he couldn't see what he was signing and he had to sign the document while he was still handcuffed. I mean, this is simply incredible to me. He doesn't back out of the plea deal. He signs his name and then is escorted to the Lake County Jail where he will wait for his next transfer. The best part about today is today is the fifth anniversary of Ricky Dugo pitching me his con. Five years to the day he approached me at Export Fitness. Five years later, he is signing his fate. I think the prosecution was holding their breath for those 30 days, as once those elapsed, Dugo had waived away all rights to appeal. And where is Ricky Dugo heading next on his farewell tour? The shit of the shit. After a few weeks, he will be transferred to Statesville, which is one of the state's maximum security prisons and one of the most revered correctional facilities in this nation. You want to talk about being in the shit? Welcome to Statesville, Ricky Dugo your temporary hellhole, you will live in for the next few weeks or months until the Illinois Department of Corrections finds you a more permanent home. So where is Ricky Dugo now, you ask? He is in the Vandalia Correctional Center, six hours south of his kids and his wife in downstate Illinois. He was sentenced to eight years in prison but will serve only four years. Looking at the IDOC inmate portal, he has already been given 10 months of extra credit, and his projected parole date is now May 11th of 2026, which would be 10 months sooner than what he was supposed to have served. At this point, I really don't care if he gets out next week, next month, or next year. He will never be the same larger-than-life character he once was. There is no coming back from this, Rick. You have been beaten. My advice to you is learn a skill and get a job and work each and every day to right the wrongs you are responsible for and admit what you are. Start to pay your victims back. If not with money, then in some form or fashion, that is decent and good. I can tell you this, Ricky Dugo, I will never stop hunting you down. I will always be an advocate for justice and will continue to fight for all of your victims. So if you haven't learned your lessons, you need to take your con game elsewhere, somewhere far, far away, as... What I have on you is a lifetime of crime and the complete timeline with almost every single detail. This isn't a warning. This is truth. So if you are confused with anything that I am saying, let me unconfuse you this one last time. Stop the cons. Stop the scams. Stop all of the lies and deceit. Because I can tell you this with 100% certainty, you are now on everyone's radar. And that brings me back to today and why I decided to tell this story. There are many lessons to be learned in hearing this story. And the first being, if it is too good to be true, well, it usually is. The second is that it is okay to ask more questions and do your own due diligence when it comes to embarking on a business opportunity and or a friendly deal. Do background checks. Ask friends of friends. Make sure this person is on the up and up. Do not blindly trust anyone with your hard-earned money. I don't care if it's family or your best friend. Money will ruin relationships. If someone steals money or property from you, go to the police and file a case and be your own advocate for justice sometimes you just need to keep pushing the authorities to do something be kind to one another and remember if this can happen to me this too can happen to you i hope you have enjoyed hearing my story and if you have i encourage you all to tell everyone you know to listen to it by helping me spread the word you are helping me in sending the messages out to this world. If that message and lesson just helps one more person from falling prey to a scammer, we have all done our jobs in helping to make this world a safer place. I would love to hear all of your comments. Please send those to info at catchingcriminals.com. Oh, wait, there is more. I am working on finishing up season two of To Catch a Con Man, in their own words. Victims and people close to the case will bring you intimate details on how their lives were changed by Ricky Dugo. If you are a Ricky Dugo victim and would like to be part of this story, please reach out to conbyrick at gmail.com and I will reach back out to you. A last few notes. If you are wondering about the court case where the 46 foot cigarette boat vanished without a trace, the rumor that has circulated is this the boat was taken by a former victim who was very unhappy that Ricky Dugo stole his money. And this victim secretly removed the boat from the house Dugo was keeping it at and chopped it up and sold the parts off to recoup some of this money. At first, the boat was supposed to be used as collateral. But my guess is that Dugo never paid this victim back. And to teach him a lesson, he destroyed the boat and sold the motors and anything viable to help him recoup some of his losses to Rick. Again, this is just the story that has been told and passed along for many years. You have to feel bad for Mr. Dolan. He was left having to pay the entire balance of that $491,000 boat, and maybe he had to file bankruptcy. Either way, Mr. Dolan is another victim I have yet to talk to, but would like to. In episode three, I made an error, one which I would like an opportunity to correct. I had mentioned that Scott was the second person I revealed my identity to. In reality, he was the third victim that knew my real identity. As I did use my real name in the conversation a few days prior when I talked to Brad, the roofer. My coworker obviously knew my identity. He's number 1, and we have known each other for about 15 years. In episode 6, failed attempts, you hear me mention Detective Bill Bang wants me to look at two photos, pictures of whom they thought were Ricky and Shannon Dugo. Who were the unidentified subjects of these pictures? The man and woman that were together in the first picture was the real Jeff Klein and his wife. The second photo, thought to be that of Shannon Dugo, Ended up being Miss Lebowski. Both Klein and Lebowski have put various houses in their names. Additionally, Miss Lebowski has put cars and trucks into her name as well. In fact, the house they scammed in Lake Forest that was owned by the former Chicago Bears head coach, Dick Giron, and that had Miss Lebowski's name on the lease. She was also on this lease for the next townhouse that the Dugos were living in as unknown occupants in a subdivision called the Oaks in Vernon Hills when Dorothy Tucker approaches Ricky Dugo on camera and in the aired CBS2 Chicago news story exposing him. Both those two rentals ended up in evictions and settlement judgments for the former Dugos' babysitter, Miss Lebowski gotta wonder, what does she get out of doing this for Mr. Dugo? That is a mystery to me as well. At the end of episode 7, titled, Something Wicked This Way Comes, I mentioned that even if Rick had made attempts to repay me the money he promised to, I would not have accepted it, in God's honest truth, and for a reason. That reason is because If Rick had actually started to pay me back my case could have been in jeopardy if I would have accepted it you may be wondering why that may be well if Rick started to pay me back even if it was just a few hundred dollars or even a thousand the judge could have seen that as an act of good faith and that Rick did make an attempt to pay me back for what he stole from me if the judge thought that was a real and truthful attempt He could have thrown out the case and or sided with Rick. It was in my best interest at that point in the investigation to not be repaid. I mean, it was a non-issue as Rick made zero attempts to settle the debt he owed me anyways. But at that moment in time, I would not have accepted a dime back or do anything that would have jeopardized the case and efforts that so many of us had already put in and to this day, I have still yet to be paid back a single penny of what he owes me. If I want to ever get paid back, Rick would have to get a job after he is paroled, and I would have to file a civil case against him where the judgment for restitution would have to be enforced and then his wages garnished. I plan on doing that as soon as he is out of prison. If you heard me saying that I told various people different amounts that I had thought Rick had stolen. It was because the amount I was using was what I had thought or knew of at that certain time. And from what you will hear on the next season, if you count every victim and every judgment against these victims for putting things in their names, you will be amazed by the amount of money Ricky Dugo has scammed And conned and defrauded people from.
2: It has to be, I mean, because first of all, I don't know all his victims. The victims that I know, the cases that I'm familiar with, and Tony would have a better grasp on this, way better grasp on this than me, but it's got to be well over $20 million. Well over
1: $20 million.
2: That'd be my guess. Over all the different 50, 60, you know, pay my rents. All the rents he's ripped them. I mean, if you count every rent and every four thousand dollar, I'll double your money, and you go back into that. You know, and a four thousand dollar scam to Ricky was nothing. No, you know, not. all the poor people who went, went in on these car washes with him. Some of those people are out six and seven hundred thousand right. dollars. You right. know, and uh, it's, a it's a lot of money. And it just and he didn't ever. He never worked. Never had a job. The only way he made money that I can see. Was kind of people. He never, ever worked for a living.
0: Thank you for listening to the final episode of Adam's Story. If you are captivated by this story, please tell your friends and family about it and help us spread the word. Knowledge is power, and we have an opportunity to protect additional people from falling prey to the Ricky Dugos of this world. Season one took you on a roller coaster ride, trying to catch a con man, an effort that took five years to successfully complete. With a guilty verdict at the trial, Ricky Dugo's fate was sealed, and as you listen to this ending, Ricky is in prison where he belongs. Through hard work and dedication by so many people, you can rest a little easier tonight, knowing that one less sad excuse for a human being is out there trying to steal your hard earned money. Season 2 of To Catch a Con Man, In Their Own Words, is currently in production and should be released by the end of 2023. Victims and others close to the case will provide you with intimate details on how crossing paths with Ricky Dugo changed their lives forever. We would love to hear what you thought of this story. Please send your comments and feedback to info at catchingcriminals.com. And don't forget to listen in to Adam's final thoughts coming up next.